Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, it's finally here, the moment we've all been waiting for, the Guild of Ravnica Crash Course. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Heck yes it is. I'm so pumped mostly to just never have to talk about m19 again <laughs> i i just i don't feel the i don't feel the hate i liked m19 just fine yeah i bet you did uh, i'm so excited to talk about this set with you you we, you've just been like knee deep in schoolwork this week we've barely been able to talk so this is going to be you're just going to get all the hot takes we've not gotten to like suss out our feelings about any cards yet really so i'm i'm excited to finally get to talk about this set with you Yes, it's going to be a blast. All right, we have a lot to get through. Obviously, the Crash Course is our trademark style set review. We're not going to be going through every card here. We're going to give you a lot of big picture information, a lot of statistics, a lot of takeaways to get you a general sense of what's going on. And then we're going to talk about some specific cards, the ones that Ben and I have differences on. So we've graded every card separately. You'll be able to see that in a spreadsheet. And uh, we're going to go through all the cards that we sort of had large differences in, in terms of our opinions. And then we're going to rank the top commons and uncommons in each color. So it's a lot of information for you all at once. But before we get into any of that, I would be remiss if I did not mention the Patreon, Ben. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. We've been saying this a lot. It's blowing up. It's really just like exploding this week. <laughs> It is out of control. (laughs) It's out of control. Not in a bad way, in a very, very good way. I have to say the coolest thing about the Discord, which is the base level reward for folks who want to give back to the show, get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. The coolest thing about that this time around, we had people organizing eight-person drafts online, like going into websites where you can like sort of do mock drafts and then going into programs to play those cards like X-Mage, which was awesome. So people were like actually getting draft reps in with other people from the Discord this week. That is insanely cool. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Um, We got some higher tier rewards there. You get access to our show notes. One of the coolest things this time around, because now we are giving people access to the show notes as they are being built, is we had someone in Discord go, hey, I'm looking at what you have outlined for the crash course, and I would love to see thing X. And we were like, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. So we put it in the crash course. So you get to have like live input into that if you want. Uh, We got a bunch of other sweet things. We've got our stretch goal that we are rapidly approaching, Ben, for the Lords of Limited showdown videos. Really, really cool stuff. We want to shout out every person who joins the first week that they join. So we have a lot. So strap in. 25 names incoming at you. We want to thank Nathaniel, 
Neil, Mark, Gamble, Andrew, Stefan, Valentin, Greg, Kyle, Matthew, Joseph, Ader, James, Saxton, Ben, Matt, William, Babber, Gordon, Tobias, Craig, Zach, Jeff, Alexander, and Anthony. Thank you all so much. We really, really appreciate your support. Holy patrons, Batman. Holy patrons, indeed. Thank you guys so much. All right, so we're going to dive in right away here. We got a lot to go over, as I said. And I think the first thing that we want to do is just clarify as we talk about cards in terms of grade level, what our grading system is going to be. Ben, you want to take us through this here? Yeah, we use the same grading scale that Limited Resources uses, uh, the kind of standardized by them A through F grading scale. So if we start off with the A's, the A's are bombs, game winners, good in many situations, especially when you're behind. Some of the best cards in the set, bomb rares, and hyper-efficient removal spells. So some examples of that from M19, Tezzeret Artifice Master, Resplendent Angel, and Banefire. Bees are strong cards that pull you into a color, make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. These are usually the best commons or uh, really good uncommons. So Vine Mare, Lightning Strike, or Hiromancer's Cage from M19. C's are your solid playables, the meat and potatoes of any limited deck. They're very interchangeable. Average creatures, normal removal spells, some examples from M19, Druid of the Cowl, Aviation Pioneer, Bogart Brute, and Pegasus Courser. D's, these are your sometimes playable, begrudgingly playables, below average, 22nd, 23rd type cards, Frilled Sea Serpent, Highland Game, or Loxodon Linebreaker. Your F's are your unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, or weird rares like Ghost Form, Amulet of Safekeeping, Crucible of Worlds, or <laughs> Dwindle. <laughs> yes, I got him. Oh, that was the perfect setup. Ah, so good. You did not read ahead at all. Did not. <laughs> I got wrecked. All right, Dwindle's not really an F, everybody, but I just... Had to had to get one last rub in on Dwindle. We've also got some grade modifications here. So sideboard cards. These are cards that don't generally make the main deck, but when you board them in can be quite powerful. Uh, some examples from M19 include Plummet, maybe Smelt, or Duress. Build around cards are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be good to great. Examples are Sarkin's Unsealing or Satyr Enchanter. And we've got one last modification, which is a synergy grade. So cards that aren't really like build around status, like not the thing that you see and you're like, oh, I'm going to make the other 22 cards that I draft try and go with that. But cards that are sort of role players in certain synergy decks. Um, so think about like Vampire Neonate, uh, Switcheroo had a bit of a setup cost, maybe Goblin Motivator as a synergy card in only red, white uh, aggro decks. But it was kind of hard to find like strict synergy grade cards from M19. There weren't a, weren't a ton there. We've got a bunch of new and one returning mechanic for this set. So the returning mechanic is Convoke, which existed in original Ravnica, one of the M sets, and uh, one of the modern master sets. Uh, so Convoke is the, the green-white mechanic, and it allows you to tap your creatures rather than pay for some or all of the mana normally required to cast the spell. So each creature pays for one mana of its color or for a generic mana if it doesn't match any of the spell's colors. Um, and if you tap a multicolored creature, you can choose which cost it's covering. And that brings us to our new mechanics, and the first of which is Mentor. Mentor is an ability that triggers whenever a creature with Mentor attacks. And when it does, you choose another attacking creature with lesser power as the target. So that creature also has to be attacking. And as the ability resolves, you compare the two powers of the creatures again. So you have to target a legal target. And then once the thing's going to resolve, it checks again to make sure it's still lesser power than the creature with Mentor. And if the target creature's power is still less than that, 
you get to put a plus one plus one counter on the target. And if something happened in between in response to the mentor ability, such as the target creature having more power, uh, the mentor ability won't do anything. So a few different scenarios here to take a look at. If you've got a 5-2 and a 4-2, both with mentor, trying to mentor a 3-3, you need to make sure you stack your triggers correctly. So you want to make sure the 4-2 trigger resolves first. You want to put the 5-2 on the stack first, then the 4-2, let the 4-2 trigger resolve to turn your 3-3 into a 4-4, and then let the 5-2 mentor trigger resolve to turn it into a 5-5. So make sure you stack those triggers correctly. If you've got two 4-2 mentor creatures trying to mentor a 3-3, you'll target with both of those triggers, but it will only trigger once because once your 3-3 becomes a 4-4, the second target won't uh, have a legal resolution and it won't get a plus one plus one counter on it. And if you've got a 5-2, a 4-2, and a 4-2 all with mentor, you can't stack triggers um, so that the 4-2 grows and then mentors. So you can't make like a mentor chain if that makes sense right because they as you said they all check on targeting and then again on resolution so it has to be legal both times moving on we've got surveil this is the blue black mechanic Uh, the instruction to surveil is very much like scry except rather than putting the cards on the bottom of your library you can put them into your graveyard instead so surveil always includes a number such as surveil two on deadly visit you look at that many cards from the top of your library and then from those cards you put however many you want on top or in your graveyard. And you get to choose the order in which they go back on top. So if you're putting both cards back on top from a Surveil 2, you get to choose the order in which they go back on top of your library. Next, we've got Undergrowth, which is an ability word, and it's used to highlight abilities that care in some way about the number of creature cards in your graveyard. And every Undergrowth ability is going to be different, so make sure you read very carefully to see how all those creature cards in your graveyards are going to help you out with those Undergrowth ability words. Jumpstart is our last mechanic. This is the blue-red guild mechanic. It's found on instants and sorceries, and it's sort of like a version of flashback. So you can cast a card with Jumpstart from your graveyard by paying all of its regular costs and one additional cost, which is discarding a card from your hand. Casting a spell with Jumpstart from your graveyard follows all the normal timing rules, so sorceries with Jumpstart are still limited to your main phases. A spell with Jumpstart that was cast from your graveyard can still be countered, and if it has targets, it won't do anything if all its targets disappear or otherwise become illegal. And after a spell with Jumpstart is cast from a graveyard, or if it's countered, or leaves the stack in any way, it's exiled. So that's our five mechanics, four new ones and one returning one, each guild-specific. All right, it's time for the stats, baby! We're going to look at a bunch of different things, starting off with power and toughness from common and uncommon creatures. So looking at the common creatures in the set, there are 59 in total. The average power and toughness is 2.32 for power and 2.47 for toughness. So I think on the small side in terms of like when we started doing this, and generally this is usually the same for median and mode, but the median power toughness is 2-2. The mode power toughness is 2-2. And I wanted to sort of mention here that the mode power being 2 was 2 by a lot. There's a lot of 2 power creatures at common in this format. And the range is, I think, a little smaller than we've seen. The range for power is 0 to 6, and the range for toughness is just 1 to 5. Yeah, that's what struck me when I was looking through the set. You compiled all these stats for common and uncommon creatures, but when I was going through and doing my grades, I got to Siege Worm, and I, which is like five green green convoke for a five five trample, and I was like, holy cow, this is huge compared to everything else in the format. Yeah, it really, really is. So if we move on to the uncommon power and toughness stats, there are 49 creatures in total at uncommon, and that's leaving out Golgari Raiders, World Soul, Colossus, and Cackling Drake. Those are some outliers there. Golgari Raiders is a 0-0 that cares about creature cards in your graveyard. 
uh, Cackling Drake cares power about instants and sorceries. So those are just going to throw the stats way off. That's why we left those out. The average power is 2.56 and the average toughness is 2.83. So a little bit bigger than the commons on commons, which you would expect Mm -hmm. and a little weighted towards the toughness side. Yeah. Being bigger than the power. And that is reflected in the median, which is power two and toughness three. And the mode for the uncommons is two, two. So a bear. And the range is a little bit bigger. Power from zero to seven and toughness from one to six. So nothing super unusual there. No, no, nothing really unusual at all. And then looking uh, at, at big picture, like 108 creatures total at common and uncommon. Of those 108, 62 have power two or less and 54 have toughness two or less. So about exactly half have toughness two or less and greater than half have power two or less. And we've got a whopping 22 with toughness one, which is kind of a lot. Yeah. That's about a a fifth of the creatures at common and uncommon having toughness one. I think probably there's two things contributing to that. It seems like there's more one ones floating around than normal, maybe to try to fuel mentor getting off to an early quick start. And then a lot of the mentor creatures themselves have low toughness to try to make it to where they're not obscenely hard to block. I think that's going to see X1 hate, as we'll talk about a little later, being quite strong in this format just because of the prevalence of them. I wanted to look at a subset of common and uncommon power toughness stats because Prey Upon is green's removal spell. So this is single green for a sorcery. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Now, when we had Pounce and Ixalan, that was pretty abysmal, and that was one more mana for instant speed fight but generally fight spells that don't grant power or toughness boosts are not great and i think that's sort of reflective here so i wanted to see like well are greens creatures just on average like a lot bigger than the rest of the set so looking at greens power toughness average the average power is 2.9 and the average toughness is 2.7 so we've seen that like difference there in terms of a dip of toughness does not make me excited about prey upon I want to have like a beefy butt so that I can survive the fight. And the median power toughness is 2-2 and the mode power toughness is 2-2. So the same as the average for the entire set, which spoiler alert before we get to talking about cards in specific, but I think Prey Upon is going to be overrated by a lot of people because they're like, ah, the green removal spell. And I just don't think it's it's very well suited in this format, just looking from a, a numbers perspective. I agree completely. So that brings us to the CMC stats. Uh, Convoke creatures were taken for face value and World Soul Colossus was omitted. The average converted mana cost of creatures in the set is 3.32. The median, the middle number, is 3. The most often used CMC, the mode, is 2. And the range, casting cost is ranged from anywhere from 1 to 9. So essentially you're paying a little more than 3 mana on average for a 2-2. Yeah, like if we're looking exactly at averages, it's like about a mana greater than the power and a little less than a mana greater than the toughness. But yeah, about a three mana for a two, two, which is on the smaller side, I think. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Looking at the removal. So again, in our our spreadsheet that we'll share with everyone uh, below where you can download the episode, we're going to have all the removal listed, sort of what it does, what the CMC is, what the rarity is. So you can just sort of see that all in a big picture, but there are 30 total common and uncommon removal spells. The average removal spell costs just slightly over three, which is a pretty good rate. If the average creature costs over three, like 3.32, and the average removal spell is 3.03, that's a pretty good rate in terms of like the removal might be fairly efficient matched up against the creatures. 
16 removal spells at common, 14 at uncommon. Most unconditional removal, as it's been, is in the 3 to 5 CMC range. And as, again, general, we're seeing general trends in terms of just how limited is set up. Black and red have a bulk of the strong removal. Black specifically has three unconditional removal spells, plus deadweight, which is a hyper-efficient removal spell. That's a single black for an aura to give a creature minus two, minus two. Uh, red has a spell that deals six, a spell that deals five, and a spell that deals four. And as we saw with sort of how the average power toughness broke down, there's not a lot of creatures bigger than four toughness. So all of those are fairly unconditional. And white has a couple of aura removal spells. And green, unfortunately, doesn't have good removal. If Prey Upon is its only option, Prey Upon's not really getting the job done a lot of the time, I think. Yeah, but other than green, I mean, the removal looks sweet in the set. Even blue got a three and a blue instant speed tap target creature and keep it tapped down, which is yeah. awesome. And it has like a really good bounce spell. Like, yeah, blue blue's definitely got some strong role players for sure. So, yeah, it did look like the removal was going to match up well against the average creature to me when I was looking through the set. I think that's the big takeaway. And we started doing that in Ixalan when you and I missed so hard on all the removal because we didn't see that all the creatures were so cheap. So that's like sort of the history behind why we're trying to take a look at those the converter mana cost versus the removal. And also, look, I, you know, our takeaway from the M19 lessons learned was like, how is removal ra- matching up against like relevant creatures? And I think all the removal looks like the amount of catch all removal is what really excites me. So moving on to the mechanics and how much support there is for each of those mechanics. So Surveil, that's the Demir mechanic. Uh, There are nine commons with Surveil tacked on, seven uncommons, and five cards at rare or mythic. And there are seven cards that care about Surveilling, which are all busted in half from what I remember. (laughs) Uh, There's one common, five uncommons, and one rare. I don't know. Some like One of the uncommons is like an enchantment that's like when you Surveil, you get to like tack on two to each instance of surveil i don't know how busted in half that is but oh are you not planning on milling through your whole deck and then countering something and then putting five cards back on top of your library because yes, i'm definitely I, planning on doing it of course i am but this is a do as i say not as i do i think recommendation nah but that's a lot of instances of surveil i think surveil seems to be the most prevalent of all the mechanics like available at nine commons that's basically twice as much as we're going to see in the other categories and I think it's the most powerful one. It's very, very powerful. And it plays really well with its two neighboring mechanics. Like it plays really well with Jumpstart because surveilling a Jumpstart spell into your yard is sort of like putting that into your hand in a way. And surveilling creatures into your yard, though, I think that's going to happen way less often. I don't think there's a lot of times where you're like, ah, I'm about to draw a creature. No, thank you. <laughs> right. But I think like maybe one or two times in a game, it's very possible if your hand is full of gas that you just want to draw lands like surveilling creatures into yard is going to help fuel undergrowth, which is the like mechanic on the other side with a uh, black green. So I think surveil is going to be really strong and is like our both of our front runners, I think, is like strongest guild, strongest mechanic. Yes, for sure. Moving on to jumpstart. This is the is it mechanic. There are six cards with jumpstart at common, but really only two are very strong. Direct current being the one the one red red that deals two to a target at sorcery speed and radical idea, which I think might be like a, a strong role player for that deck. That's just the one in a blue draw card. But the other ones are kind of poopy. There's two at uncommon and two at rare. And then if we look at cards that care about them, seven cards in total that care about you casting instants or sorceries, and two cards, both at Uncommon, that care about the number of instants or sorceries you have in Graveyard or Exile. And then I have a proposal here. Can we call this ability or like this like line of text spell check? 
I love it. I just read that and I was like, oh my God, that's genius. How has no one thought of that anymore? All right. Spell check TM. Let's lock it in. Yeah, but this just doesn't seem like a ton of payoffs. I was really excited for like a blue red spells matter deck. And I think it's going to be more just like good cards than it is going to be synergy unless you do have a like, I don't know, you have those two cards with spell check or cards that care about when you cast instants or sorceries. But I didn't see a lot of things that made me super excited about this. Yeah, I think there's either going to I think there's going to be two decks. I think there's going to be like a blue red good stuff deck. And I think there's probably if you get the stuff together, but it's going to be really finicky and it's going to take some some figuring to get the amounts right. But I think there's probably a pretty busted synergy deck in Jumpstart if it comes together and if it's good. Yeah, but I just think it's so reliant on uncommons. And if I'm going to go for my M19 lessons learned for like that deck to be reliable, like maybe it'll come together like once in 50 drafts or something. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that's going to come together all the time. But when it does, it does seem like it could be insanely powerful. Moving on to our next mechanic, Mentor. There are five cards at common with Mentor, four at uncommon, and three at rare. And if we take a look at powers of creatures, there's one creature with one power that has Mentor four creatures at two power, and none of those are at common, I don't think. Three creatures with three power with Mentor, two at four power, and one at five power. Yeah, I think the that point you made about none of them being at common, I think the key to that deck is going to be those two power Mentor creatures, specifically the two that are uncommon. I think those are going to be strong pulls into like, okay, I can maybe get this deck rolling, because I think that deck wants to snowball Yes, over the course of a few turns. Very much so. I think you want to play one drop, two drop uncommon mentor creature into three drop un- common mentor creature, and then just play combat tricks the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. And that just sounds pretty unbeatable to me. Uh, moving on to Convoke. This is the Celestia mechanic. There are four creatures at common with Convoke, one combat trick, and one fog variant. There are three creatures at uncommon. There's one modal spell. That's the two and a green that like can either put a 2-2 creature token into play or destroy an enchantment and one removal spell that's the banishing light oblivion ring variant and then one creature at rare and one mass token maker that's a card that i think a lot of people have been talking about the like green white white x convoke that makes one one lifelink tokens at instant speed yeah secure the waste 2.0 secure the waste 2.0 exactly traditionally for convoke to be strong you need strong creatures to convoke out. And Siege Worm, I think, is just like head and shoulders above the rest in terms of not only it's at common, but it's just very powerful. Like we talked about, it's bigger than most creatures in the set. But other than that, there doesn't seem to be a lot of like super strong stuff to want to convoke out. And then you also want to have creatures or cards that create multiple bodies so that you can convoke at a fast rate to like get those creatures out powered out sooner and i just don't think we're gonna get there at common we've only got two things that make tokens really only one at sworn companions which is two and a white for a sorcery to make two one one lifelinkers uncommon we have about five token makers and then blue randomly has an uncommon that makes tokens when you cast instants or sorceries but other than that i I just don't know if convoke got there at least on on face value right it feels like the set is missing a card like spore swarm to really like put it over the top something that makes three bodies or is that the name of the card that has convoke what's the one that was like scatter the seeds yes scatter the seeds like it's missing something like that to really make convoke a powerhouse yeah or even just like raise the alarm like but three mana for two one ones doesn't seem great right because there's the there's the card that costs three green i was thinking about that there's a three green white for a four four with convoke that has like vigilance or something mm-hmm. and then the soonest you're going to get that out is turn four 
as a 4-4. Whereas if there was a two-drop token maker, you could put it down on turn three, which is when it would really start to be powerful. I mean, you can go one drop, two drop into that five mana 4-4. Well, then you're playing a one mana 1-1. One, one, yeah. Right. Well, as, as we'll talk about later, I'm not sure how bad one mana 1-1s one, are maybe with Convoke and Mentor, but it might still just be a trap. Yep, we'll see. Last mechanic is Undergrowth. That's the Golgari mechanic. There are four cards at common, five cards at uncommon, and three cards at rare. And other than Surveil from the Demir mechanic, Glow Spore Shaman is black-green for a 3-1 and lets you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard and then return a land to your hand if you milled a land. It's a little worse than that. It only puts a land on top of your library. Oh, really? Yeah. I need to change my grade for that card. (laughs) (laughs) Misread. And then the other ways to fuel undergrowth, you know, it's going to happen naturally over the course of the game. And there are some cards that are obvious plants, like there's a cat that costs two and a green for a one, two that lets you draw a card when ETBs. There's a rats that are like one and a black for a one, one that your opponent discards when ETBs. So leaving around like bodies that have already replaced themselves with the cards worth of value that you can sacrifice, or there's things that let you discard creatures. But all in all, undergrowth seems like a lot of work for something that's not super powerful. Like there's not a lot of really good payoffs for doing all this work either. Right. And I think the things that are good payoffs are things that I'm like, man, if I could do this on turn four, but like that's just never going to happen. Right. Like there's a three and a green zero zero with haste that like has power and toughness equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard, but you're never going to be able to cast that on turn four and have it be a relevant card. Never. And even when you cast it on turn seven, it's going to be like a four mana three three on turn seven. (laughs) Yes, it's not going to be exciting. You're going to have done a lot of work for a mediocre card. Uh, We're going to take a look at the sweepers in the set. And I got to say, I'm kind of happy that so there's four sweepers all at rare. And they're all conditional in some way. So there's Citywide Bust, which destroys all creatures with toughness four or greater for one white white. There's Deafening Clarion, which I think has gotten a lot of uh, flack on Twitter, at least for like, it's a weird design card. But one of its modes is uh, three damage to each creature, and that's for one red white. There's Finality, which is part of a a split card. Uh, There's like Fine Finality. And the Wrath part of that is all creatures get minus four, minus four until end of turn. And there's Ritual of Soot, which is two black black to destroy all creatures with CMC three or less. So I'm pretty happy to see like a variety of sweepers, but nothing that is like five mana Wrath of God, that sort of thing. Yes, that will make the set, I think, a lot more fun and interesting to play. Moving on to X1 Punishers, some of these in a very straightforward sense and others are creatures that specifically like punish the one toughness part that leave around multiple bodies or things like that. Uh, there's about eight of these. Do you want to dive into which ones are which here, Ethan? Yeah, sure. So like uh, Swathcutter Giant is a creature that when it attacks, deals one damage to each creature defending player controls. Mephitic Vapors is two and a black for a sorcery that uh, gives all creatures minus one, minus one until end of turn, and then you surveil two. Uh, Hellkite Whelp is an uncommon four and a red, three, three flyer that when it attacks can ping either a creature or player. I think the most common of these might be Cosmotronic Wave, which is like a falter variant. So it deals a damage to all creatures your opponent controls, and then they also creatures they control can't block this turn. And then there's some 1-1s one we talked about, you know, the 1-2 the that draws a card, the 1-1 one that when it dies makes your opponent discard a card. That's Generous Stray and Burglar Rat, respectively. There's Ornery Goblin, which we've seen this card before, like Ashmouth Hound. This is one in a red for a 2-1 that when it, uh, blocks or is blocked it deals a damage to that creature so again sort of punishing an x1 in combat and then sworn companions is the uh, two and a white to make two one one lifelinkers yeah so some that are wide effects just punishing all one ones and then others that are just leaving bodies laying around so moving on to life gain 
Um, there's there's a decent amount of life gain in the set. There's We've got about 16 cards listed here. We're not going to dive into all of them. Mm-hmm. And we've got them in tiers, a better or worse. There's like eight in the top tier of better cards. Uh, there's only one repeatable source of life gain, and that's Swarm Guild Mage. That's the Golgari Guild Mage. And he has the ability one green tap to gain two life. And there's a lot of worse effects that maybe are just lifelink tacked onto creatures. You're not necessarily going to be able to consistently get life gain from them. Uh, Cards like Child of Night's a reprint. Uh, Sworn Companions, the two and a white for the one ones that have lifelink. But one of the cards I am excited about that's listed in the better is Crawl Foragers. That's four and green for a four four with undergrowth. Um, And its undergrowth ability is when it ETBs for the number of creature cards in your graveyard, you gain a life. And this just makes me think of the card from Innistrad. What was it that fueled the spider spawning deck? Gnaw to the bone? Was that the one? Oh, yeah. Where you gain two life for each creature. I, I just think like a four force big in the format. And then I think gaining life is just going to be so depressing against a deck that's trying to kill you. Like putting down a four four and gaining three life is going to be big game. You know what this card makes me think of is Thrag Tusk, baby. Oh, get out. This is just Thrag Tusk. No. <laughs> My favorite category to talk about is up next, mana fixing. So pretty exciting is that guild gates are replacing basic lands in all packs. So there will be 24 guild gates opened in every draft, which guaranteed guaranteed, which is pretty big game. And then beyond that, at common, you've got another gate, which is Gateway Plaza, which if you played M19 is just a functional reprint of Rupture Spires. So this is a land comes into play. You have to pay one for it or you sacrifice it it comes into play tapped but then it can tap for any mana of any color you've got urban utopia which is one in a green for an aura it goes on a land that land can tap for any mana and when urban utopia enters the battlefield you draw a card so this doesn't ramp you but it does fix you and replaces itself and then there's circuitous root which is basically two rampant growth effects tacked onto one card it's three in a green for a sorcery you can search your library for two basic lands or gates and put them into play tapped And then at rare, we've got Chromatic Lantern. This is a reprint. This is three mana for an artifact that taps for a mana of any color and then makes all your lands able to tap for a mana of any color. Ooh, baby, I am excited to brew some five color decks in this format. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like the support is there. And I think it's going to be slow enough that it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Assuming Mentor's not like totally busted in half, it does look like the format's set up for some shenanigans. I think Mentor is going... My hope is that Mentor is a strong deck because if it's not, this is just going to be a dirtle fest. Yeah, it's going to be a demure off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, moving on to Mana Sinks. Speaking of dirtling around, there are lots of places to put your mana. Maybe not lots, but a fair amount. Uh, All five guild mages are places to sink mana, uh, an uncommon from each of the guilds. There's also a cycle of five lockets. Uh, There are three mana artifacts for each guild. So for example, the Demir locket is three mana for an artifact. It can tap to add blue or black. And then all of them have the ability of whatever guild they are to have four mana of hybrid mana of that color. So for example, the Demir mana, some combination of four blue or black mana, tap it and sacrifice it to draw two cards. So all of them have that ability. So like the Boros one has four mana combination of red and white to tap to draw two cards. I guess I should have also listed the lockets under mana fixing, but I think those are going to be less sought after than the rest. Yes, certainly. And less about mana fixing and maybe a little more about ramp and then like having a place to like change a ramp in for cards later in the game. Um, Jumpstart's also pseudo mana sync because you can discard excess lands later in the game uh, for an effect on a card, one of the jumpstart cards in your graveyard. Then there's some creatures that have activated abilities, like some of them make tokens. There's Crawl Swarm as a flyer, a four and a black for a four one flyer that can come back from the graveyard. So there are like reasonable places to put mana. Yeah, I think the guild mages are the headliners here. And I also want to take a time here because I think mana sinks can sort of be clues to number of lands 
that are run in a format, like for if this is more of an 18 land, 17 or 16 land format. And I think at least for is it decks and Demir decks, those are definitely going to be 18 land decks. Based on surveil being a way to sculpt your hand or future draws, I think wants more lands than not. And Jumpstart is going to want excess lands to discard. Um, so that's my sort of thought there. And I wonder if that's going to just be the case. Like if you've got a guild mage and another place to put your mana that you're probably going to want to go more 18 lands than not. I think mentor decks are going to be the exception here. Yeah, my my initial inclination is somewhere in the 17 to 18 range, yeah. unless you're mentor and maybe mentor will be 16 to 17. Yeah, that's what I think too. Flying, moving on to flying, every limited format, everyone wants to say, you know what, I think flying is pretty good in this set. Uh, we're going to start off by saying flying is really strong here and really prevalent. 18 total creatures, if we think back to 108 creatures at common and uncommon, 18 of those have flying, so about, uh, about a fifth a little less two that can be granted flying and one that makes flying tokens uh so the distribution of that is sort of spread out we've got four white four blue three black and then one red and then also two demir two is it one boros and one colorless and in terms of ways to combat flying crushing canopy is back this is two and a green for the instant, destroy target creature with flying or destroy target enchantment. I want to start out by saying I think this card is main deckable in this format. I think you're probably right based on these numbers. Right. We, we've got a lot of flyers here. And then also luminous bonds as the white removal spell. Blue has a claustrophobia variant. So blue has an enchantment removal spell. I just think uh, I think crushing canopy is going to get the job done more often than not. Uh, in addition to that, we've got a couple creatures with reach. Crowl Harpooner is a two mana three two with reach that is also kind of like a plummet on a stick if you don't want to just leave around the 3-2 with reach. Hitchclaw Recluse is our giant spider variant. This is 2 and a green for a 1-4 with reach, which is kind of on the mess side. I wish we had a larger creature. I wish Mammoth Spider was here. And there's also Grappling Sundew with reach. This is an 0-4 wall. I'm not sure that uh, that that's what you want to be blocking flyers with. That card's with. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> that card's terrible. But I, I just thought I had to list it anyway. But uh, So there is, is some ways to combat flying, but I think flying is going to be the real deal in this format. Yeah, that's what I was also thinking as I was going through this board. I'm surprised that there's this many because I don't remember thinking about this many, but I remember thinking every time I saw it, wow, that's good, that's good, that's good. Moving on to defenders, there's seven creatures in total with defender. There's only one real payoff card in Portcullis Vine, which is something, it's like green for an 03 with two taps, sacrifice a creature with defender to draw a card. All of these cards are just bad with a capital B. It's not a real thing. I don't think you should be trying to make it a real but thing. But it fuels undergrowth, Ben. It does. And undergrowth is not great from what we've seen yeah, so far. Yeah, I agree. Didn't really get there. And I think there's better ways. There's better sacrifice outlets than Porsche Call is fine if you're looking to sacrifice creatures. All right. That moves us on to my second favorite thing about the set review. My first favorite is when we get to rank our cards. But my second favorite thing is when we get to go through our grades and look at the cards where we had big differences in gradation. So as we outlined our grading scale earlier, uh, we're going to look at places where we had either two or more difference. So if like I gave a card a C plus and Ben gave it a C minus, we're going to talk about it. Um, so first up here, we're going to look at white commons and we've got candlelight vigil at the start. So this is three and a white for an aura enchant creature enchanted creature gets plus three plus two and has vigilance. Ben, I gave this card an F. 
Stone Cold F, and you gave it a D. Talk to me about this card. Yeah, I'm surprised that you gave this a Stone Cold F. With We're coming up on Auras a little bit, I thought. Um, I gave this a D. I think this could be super powerful with Mentor. Like, if you get a, a Mentor creature and you boost its power and toughness permanently and make it hard to block, and then it's growing some other creature along with it, I just think it could be could run away with the game. There is a lot of good removal floating around. I mean, I didn't give it a C or anything, but I do think this is going to steal some games, and I think it's a powerful card in combination with a Mentor creature. That's why I gave it a D. Yeah, I mean, like Fs, I, I'm not saying I'm not going to die to this card a few times in this format. I just don't think I'm ever going to put it in a deck. I, I mean, I never played Dub, and I think this reminds me of this seems worse than dub to me vigilance way worse than first strike and it's more expensive and yeah there's a lot of strong removal here i just don't think like give a creature plus three plus two and then put a plus one plus one counter on another creature you're talking about this like instance of attacking with a a mentor creature again or getting an extra mentor trigger I just don't think that's what you want to be doing. Uh, I don't either, but I think it will have a place in some mentor decks, and I think it will be good in combination with a mentor creature. I mean, not good, good, but I think it's going to be playable in a deck with mentor. How many times do you think you're going to put this in a deck in this format? Less than five? Less than three? I'll take the under on five for sure. Yeah, you might be right. You're probably right. I just think that's bad. I don't know. Uh... Well, well, I guess we'll see if you if you have some nuts board state, maybe you'll get a point here. But I think I think this might be might be an early point for me here. All right. Next up, we've got Hunted Witness. This is single white mana for the one one. When it dies, create a one one white soldier creature token with a lifelink. Yeah, I gave this a C. You gave this a D plus. This might be closer to a C minus. Probably my thought here is, is that this feels like a role player in both Selesnia or Boros more so in Boros I think you're gonna want I think those decks are gonna want one mana one ones to be able to mentor onto right but I think this is a lot worse than healer's hawk which is the single white mana for the one one flying lifelink that's the one one I'm much more excited about hunted witness just doesn't seem to do enough to me to pull its weight in a limited deck yeah I guess that's true I'll move down to c minus I don't think this card is like busted or anything but I think it's pretty good I mean it's how much worse than Doom Traveler is it? Because it's worse than Doom Traveler. Significantly worse than Doom Traveler. That's true. The one one flyer is so much better than a one one lifelinker. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah, there were like times where you're just like, I don't want to kill that thing because I can't deal with that one one token. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, I'll go down to C minus. Next up, I want to talk to you about this card because I think I've missed the boat here, but I don't know how I've missed the boat. <laughs> so intrusive pack beast is up next. This is four and a white for a three three vigilance. And when it enters the battlefield, tap up to two target creatures your opponents control. So my first question mark on this, I saw Amaz's like front page of his set review. Mm-hmm. And he had this in his top tier of white commons, Mm -hmm. like he sets them into three tiers. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I don't think that card's very good. (laughs) And I was like, eh, it must just be because he plays Hearthstone. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to our set review and I was like, oh, Ethan's got this card ranked really highly too. I, like so talk to me Tell, like where am I what am I missing um you're missing that this isn't a 3-3 flyer but it's basically angel of the dawn what yeah I, I mean like tap two creatures is going to end the game so much or like swing the race so far in your favor that I think this ability is tacked on to you know a, a fine body is going to be super strong okay so here, here's where my brain was at in evaluating this card so I think five mana for a three, three vigilance is not a good card. I don't think that's a particularly relevant body. I do think it's slightly more relevant now that we've seen, you know, you were the one that compiled all the power and toughness stats. And now that I know all of that, I do think a three, three vigilance might be more relevant than I thought it was initially, but I don't think it's great. And then there's going to be some times when you're behind and you're not going to care at all 
about tapping two target creatures your opponents control. And essentially, you're paying five mana for three, three vigilance then, which is a really raw deal. And I think, you know, the Angel of the Dawn comparison seems a bit hyperbolic to me because the three, three flyer, the Angel of the Dawn leaves around is great. And I think this is just kind of medium. Yeah, but like your argument about it, like it's bad when you're behind is fine, but it's absurdly good in all three other quadrants. It's great to curve out into. It's great at parity and it's great when you're ahead. But what if like what if you're in a race? I, I think that's a little best case scenario. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is one of the strongest white commons. And see, so I, I feel like in seeing I have seen other people talking. So I think I'm probably the one that's wrong here. I just it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that I've missed that hard on this card. I mean, I kind of hope that you're right, because that'd be pretty cool if everyone thinks this card is nuts and you don't and you're right. But I think you're missing the boat on it. I think this looks really strong to me. Yeah. So we need to have some conversations in Discord about this card. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what people's impressions are once we see it in play. And I think this will be something where I'm going to reserve judgment until we see it in draft because it is probably going to be less good in sealed. Oh, for sure. All right, moving on to blues cards. We're I'm pretty excited. We're, we're going to see most of the differences when we get to the multicolored cards, I think. Um, we, we're kind of lined up here for a lot of the, the single colored cards. So blue, we've only got one card to talk about, and that's Dazzling Lights, which is a single blue for an instant. Target creature gets minus three, minus zero until end of turn, and you get to surveil two. I gave this a D, you gave this a C minus. Yeah, I think I'm pretty hyped on the surveil build around cards where for each instance of surveil, you get to do something. I think those are all super powerful. And I'm just imagining a scenario where, you know, you get a block with a creature. One mana is cheap. It's efficient. If you get a block something, shrink it and, you know, essentially kill a creature with dazzling lights and then surveil two. That sounds like a huge swing. And I think for the price of one mana, that's got a lot of upside. So I think it's a, a good, good, efficient combat trick that's going to help be a staple in any deck that cares about surveilling and has those surveil build around cards. So I give it a C minus. I think you're absolutely right. And I'm going to agree with you and move my grade up to C minus point. That brings us over to black. First up, we've got hired poisoner here. You give this a C plus. I gave this a C minus. This is single black for a one one death touch. So this is hard for me to defend a little bit because I do think there's a ton of X one hate floating around. And I think also the fact that creatures are small like we saw that like it looks like there's a lot of just like two twos floating around. But this is a really good blocker. Like this just gets to trade off with like most mentor things. If you need an early blocker, it trades off with like big dumb things from green. And black has a lot of good removal anyway. But I just think this is super cheap and efficient. And unless your opponent is running like, I mean, this is going to get God a lot of the time. And so maybe not a lot of the time, but some amount of the time by those X1 punishers, not the creatures per se, like the rat or the cat, but just like sort of like mephitic vapors or whatever, that you may want to side this out aggressively against those effects. But main deck, I think this is going to be strong. So here's where I was at. I think you're only ever really interested in blocking with this creature. Like it's going to get blanked as an attacker very early on. So it's a strictly defensive card. I do think there's X1 heat and we just talked about how good flying is. There's going to be times where you have this and your opponent's got flyers and you're going to be staring at it and thinking, oh, this is not great. Um, so I think all in all, this is just not going to go in every black deck. I don't think every black deck's going to want this. So I gave it a C minus. All right, I'm going to move down to C. You got me. You got me. Next up, we've got Crawl Swarm. This is our uncommons. This is four and a black for a four one flyer, and you can pay two and a black to discard a creature card and return it from your graveyard to your hand. I give us a B. You gave us a C plus. Yeah, I mean, 
This is good, but it's not tuna black discard a card. It's tuna black discard a creature card. So like, I guess it's just how often are you going to draw a card that is so bad that you'd rather turn it into an eight mana four one flyer? Right. Yeah. So, so how close in your brain is this to like a recurring air elemental? Not close. Not close. No. So if this were if this were a five mana four four flyer with that same ability, would you be a lot more excited about it? Oh yeah, I would think that card was nuts. Right. So that's sort of where I'm evaluating it. So I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of the two of us. You're probably closer to right at C plus, but I do think there's gonna be games where this is a huge annoyance, and you are willing to cash out a creature. Like if you stabilized mm-hmm. as as Golgari because I think that's what Golgari looks like it's trying to do. This seems like it could be a very powerful win condition once you've stabilized, like your opponent's just going to have to keep dealing with it over and over and over. Right, yeah, for sure. There is definitely going to be times where you're going to be staring this down and just go, I can't beat this. Like, I'm wait- I'm using a removal spell on it, and I'm going to see it again in two turns. Right, So, but you have to be stable before that's true, so C plus is probably right. B minus, C plus, it probably doesn't pull you, it probably doesn't pull you into black. It might, it might pull you into black. Let's, I'll, I'll go to B minus. I'll go up to B minus. All right, B minus. We'll meet in the middle. Next, we've got Lotlith Giant. This is six and a black for a six, five zombie giant with undergrowth. And it says when Lotlith Giant enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to target opponent for each creature card in your graveyard. I gave this a D, you gave this a C plus. Yeah, this is a big boy. Again, like it's huge compared to everything else in the format. And I think it's at this point in the game when it's coming down, it's probably going to be doing four or so to your opponent, doming them. Um, it's no pretty way clunky. Is it dealing four to your opponent on average? Three? Can I get three? You might be able to get three, but you've been doing some surveilling if you're getting three. Like, I just feel like people are going to overestimate the amount of like, well, I play a, I trade off my two, two, I trade off my three, three, I trade off my four drop. Like that doesn't happen that much. Right. I, I'm probably high on this card. It's probably like a C minus D plus. Yeah. It's even if the set was a seven mana six, five that said like, let's say it was a seven mana six, five that said deal three to your opponent when it entered the battlefield. I wouldn't be very excited about that card. <laughs> that's better than what it says. I don't think that's true. I think that's it's more true. consistent than what it says. It's on average better than what this says. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go C minus. Okay, I'll see you in D territory in a few weeks. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, Whispering Snitch is our last one. This is one in a black for a one-three vampire rogue creature. Whenever you surveil for the first time each turn, Whispering Snitch deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. I gave it a C. You gave it a build around B. I love this card. One in a black for a one three is great. I want to block with that all day or like trade it with my opponent's three one mentor creature. And then once I'm stable, if I have this, it's good early and it's good late. If you're surveilling, draining one every time you surveil is like, do you remember how good the Orzov? What was that card? What was that mechanic called? Extort. Extort. Yeah, I I just think this is going to be very, very strong. I love this card. I would be fine giving this a synergy grade. I don't think you're building around this. You're not taking surveil cards higher than you would be. It's just like this is good if you're in a Demir deck. You're right. It should be synergy B or like synergy B minus. Synergy B minus seems fine to me. Yeah, I, I agree with all you said. Like, yeah, it's it's good early. It's going to be good late. Like it's if it drains your opponent for a couple points, you kind of feel like you're doing it. God forbid you have two of these in play when you get to surveil. But I think it's still like all in all, it's it's a it's a two mana one three that's going to drain a few times. That's not like anything to write home about. It's certainly above rate, but I'll go like synergy C plus. I'll go synergy B minus. I, I really like this card. Now we got we got some stuff to talk about when we move on to red here. Gravitic Punch is up first here. This is 
Three and a red for a sorcery. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target player, and it has jumpstart. I gave this an F, and you gave this a D. This is like lava spike with setup cost. Right. So here's what I missed. And this is where like, so again, you did the power and toughness and I didn't know quite that starkly that the creatures were so small. So I was sort of looking at this as maybe in a, in an, is it deck like you could lava axe for four and then lava axe for four again, which is pretty powerful. That card. There's piston fist cyclops. That's the one. Is it, is it hybrid? The four, three defender that can attack if you cast an instant or sorcery. Right. And that's a that's a lot of damage. It looks there looks to me to be an is it deck that's like trying to jumpstart things with like the plus one plus one flying and just like get damage in and then finish out the game. And this looks like it's maybe a role player in that deck to do those last points of damage. Maybe I'm not I'm not convinced yet that it's going to be better than a literal like anything else. But maybe that deck like gets your opponent to six and then has trouble closing out the game, in which case then, yeah, you may want Gravitic Punch. So I don't know if it's strictly an FD minus. It's definitely not a good definitely card. not a good card. Yeah. Situational Lava Axe is tough. Uh, Maniacal Rage. That's the aura I want to talk about. This is one in red for an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and can't block. I gave this a C minus and you gave this a D. I think this is way better than the three two vigilance aura because it's two mana cheaper and can be a falter effect for your opponent's creature. Yeah. That's pretty big that you can go, this creature can't block, and now I attack. Yeah. I think that duality makes it pretty strong. And yeah, and the fact that it's two mana, like it does the things that you were talking about with Mentor, like it enables an additional Mentor attack, but like two mana for plus two, plus two, plus put a counter on a creature is way better than four mana, three, two, I think. All right, I could see that this card's better. So I gave both of them a D, so I'll go up to D plus on this one, but I don't think you can give this a C minus and the other one an F. Well, I did. <laughs> but that seems more inconsistent than what you're like laying, laying at my feet. Well, uh, maybe I'll have to pull the three, two out from the F territory. And this may be closer to a D plus. Like I, maybe the truth is D minus D plus, but I'm going to I'm going to try and hot take it and go C minus F. All right. Sounds good. This next one, I, you probably have to talk me off a ledge here. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. This is Torch Carrier, single red for a 1-1 haste, and it has the ability to sacrifice it. Another target creature gains haste until end of turn. I gave this a D minus. I gave Goblin Motivator an F in our M19 set review. You've got this at C minus. This is a bad, bad, bad Goblin Motivator. So hear me out. I'm hearing. I think. I'm hearing the sweet sound of a point ringing in my ears. <laughs> so I think. One, I'm grading this as if it's a Boros card. I'm grading this as if it's like only in red-white. I agree. Number one. But number two, and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I just didn't get Goblin Motivator at all, which is entirely possible. But I think it's better than Goblin Motivator because... What? Just, just hear me out. I'm hearing. Okay. So in a Mentor deck, this gets to... Com- if it comes down on turn one, it's going to get mentored up pretty fast. And then like, if it becomes irrelevant, granting a a big mentor creature, like if you play the four mana five, two or something like that, granting that mentor creature haste could be a pretty big game in terms of like, now I'm attacking with a five, two and putting a counter on something else. So like the sacrifice ability, I think can be relevant. And it's not like the worst top deck because likely in a mentor deck, top decking this is like a one mana two, two haste because you can mentor onto it in combat. So I think all that adds up to a card that's going to be pretty good in a, a dedicated red, white mentor deck. Yeah, all of those things make sense to me. I certainly think the sacrifice ability is going to be relevant. I'm just 
uh, I would prefer it to be repeatable like Goblin Motivator. So maybe I was looking at this through the lens of this is worse than Goblin Motivator because of how good the tap gives something haste ability was. But maybe this is a more relevant creature on its own right than Goblin Motivator was. Uh, I think you've talked me up to D or D plus a little bit. All right. That sounds like a point for me right now. Yeah, we'll see. You're very you're very persuasive. <laughs> well, I mean, I th- I've thought about why I think the card is good. <laughs> And I think you maybe just looked at it and went, this is worse than Motivator. Yes, I think that's what happened. I just think there's like a lot of different scenarios where this card can do different things. I can see it. And that makes me feel like that's a lot out of a one mana one one. Yes. And and, and a mentor deck's going to be looking to play one mana one ones anyway. Yeah, I can see it. All right. Book Devourer is our first uncommon. This art is great, but I'm not sure the card is. Five and a red for a four five beast with trample. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you may discard all the cards in your hand. If you do draw that many cards, I gave this a C minus. You gave it a C plus. You want to talk to me about why you like this card? Well, it's a bit of lacking a home because I don't think it really goes in a Boros deck, but it is a big boy and that effect is powerful late in the game. I mean, it's going to be a large trampler. I I probably overrated this. It's probably CC minus. If it was a five mana four five, I think it would be perfectly serviceable. But six mana seems like a lot, even though like four five is going to be bigger than most things in this set. Yeah, I think it sort of struggles with like it doesn't have a home and I don't know how often it's going to connect with your opponent. Them being able to double block with like a 3-3 and a 2-2 doesn't seem ridiculous. Right. I think you're right. I don't think that card's great. All right. Next up, we've got Goblin Banneret. This is single red for a 1-1 with Mentor, and it's got the ability 1 and a red. Pump gets plus 2 plus 0 until end of turn. I give us a D. You give us a C. Yeah, again, I mean, thinking about it like it's a red-white gold card, I think this is going to be strong in a Mentor deck. Like, I think, again, those decks want to play 1-1s, and the fact that this can get Mentored onto easily and then mentor onto other things the fact that i think what's going to happen sometimes with mentor decks is that they're going to sort of like plateau like all of their creatures are going to be two power three power or something and you're going to struggle to mentor again and this just like has it built on you don't even need to use a combat trick or something it has the ability to get bigger i just think all of that tacked on a one one and maybe i'm just living in magical christmas land with these mentor triggers I think a little bit. So so where I'm when I'm looking at this card, I see one mana one one. You might have one to two uncommons in your deck that are like two drop mentors. So if that doesn't happen, the soonest this is getting mentored is turn four because the common ones are three drops. So you'll play this on one, play your common three drop mentor card on three, and then you're attacking on turn four. If you're on the draw and your opponents have the opportunity to play a three drop or a four drop, like they're just gonna be able to block it maybe you pump and you trade but then you're not really it's not sticking around as a relevant creature so then it's acting more like a one mana one one that has one in a red plus two plus oh like torch blazer whatever that card's called mm-hmm. not a great card no i think that's fair maybe more maybe it's closer to i'll go knock it down to a c minus but i i mean i don't know i just think like playable one drops are what the mentor deck is going to want to have I agree with all that. But so to me, the one that stands out again above all the rest is Healer's Hawk because it's got evasion and so is not going to be like trade offable with like I think if your opponent wants to trade off with Goblin Banneret, they're going to be able to. Whereas Healer's Hawk has lifelink and flying. And I think there's probably not enough support for two mentor decks at the table Mm -hmm. would be my guess. Yeah. And so nobody else is going to want these cards. So I think you're going to be able to get them late. And I think Healer's Hawk is going to be the best of them. Yeah, that's fair. 
Moving on to Smelt Ward Minotaur. I really like this card. Two and a red for a 2-3. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, target creature and opponent controls can't block this turn. I gave this a B, you gave this a C plus. Yeah, I think this is going to be good. I think it's mostly going to be an Is It or Boros card. Uh, probably a little better in Is It than in Boros. Or maybe it's going to be even better in Boros with combat tricks. Yeah. Maybe you're going to be able to mentor with combat tricks. I think it's a powerful card. It doesn't make me want to play red. Uh, I think it does because I think it's really strong in both Is It or Boros. Right, so flexibility, yeah. It's very flexible, but yeah, I was mostly looking at this as like a good card in like an is it aggro deck, and then when I was doing the set review on stream with Travis, he was like, no, this is this is your Boros card you've been looking for, because I was I kept looking for low power, high toughness yeah, yeah. creatures to mentor onto, because like, as you said, there's all these like three ones and four twos and five twos, and like, those are tough to mentor onto, like, give me a one four that I can like then attack as a 2-5 and a 3-6. And this is pretty sweet. Being able to like mentor onto this and then make something not blockable, like, you know, you give a creature plus 2 plus 2 until end of turn, make a creature not be able to block, and then attack with this and a mentor creature. And do you hear those sleigh bells? Like, I just think that this is uh, this is a strong card. Yeah, there's one card that we've graded the same that we haven't talked about yet, though, that I'm pretty excited about, too. The one in a red for a 1-3 trample. That whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, gets plus 1 plus 0 oh until end of turn. That's also, I think, going to be a very good thing to mentor onto. I think that's secretly a Boros card, not an Izzet card. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to Healer's Hawk, I think that's the creature you want to mentor onto. Yeah. So the last one we've got here, Street Riot, four and a red for enchantment. As long as it's your turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus O oh, and have trample. You gave this an F. I gave us a D. I want to know why you think this is an F. This is the definition of win more for me. Like five mana, do nothing. Creatures get plus one, plus O oh, and have trample only on my turn. So like it's only good really when I'm ahead. I don't really want this as like my curve topper when I'm developing. I don't really want this at parity unless like I'm really just looking at like a stall of like two twos. But even then, like they can just double block my two twos with their two twos and my creatures now being three twos isn't super relevant. I don't know. I just like I don't think I'm ever going to play this card. So when I was looking at this, I, I this looks like a finisher to me as opposed to win more, like similar to a falter effect or like an overrun, maybe as a not that good, obviously, but like in a mentor deck, you're going to have a lot of three ones, four twos, five twos floating around that don't have trample and can be traded with or chumped easily. And, you know, maybe you get in some early damage from getting out to an aggressive start. You play this and then all of a sudden there are fours and fives and six power, uh, hoping like assuming the game's going well, you know, this obviously has drawbacks, but I do think it's playable in a mentor deck and could help you close out the game. But aren't you going to play Cosmotronic Wave, the like actual falter, like 10 out of 10 times if you want this effect? Probably. Yeah, it's probably just worse than that. I don't think you're ever playing this card. I could certainly see that being the case. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I mean, if people I, I just think, yeah, I think this is going to, again, be overrated by most people and not be really good and limited. I don't think it's a good card, certainly. Yeah. I think it might be playable, but I think you're right that the falter effect is just going in your deck ahead of this every time. All right, moving on to green. Again, we we're pretty lined up here. Not a ton to talk about. Yeah, because green's cards were so mediocre. It was so so medium. Yeah, so uninspiring. I like was like, what am I going to put as my third green common? This is terrible. I had a hard time after like the first card. I was like, OK, Siege Worm and then like yeah. what else is there? So we already sort of talked about this uh, crushing canopy. I gave a C and you gave a sideboard grade. This is the tuna green instant to either blow up a flyer or an enchantment. I think you're right. I'm swapping point for you. Sweet. And then I wanted to look at Might of the Masses. This is a single green 
uncommon instant target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each creature you control i gave this a c plus you gave this a d yeah i do not think this card is good i don't want my combat trick to be conditional on the number of creatures i have in play i don't think there's tons of ways to go wide in selesnia uh, mm-hmm. there's not like a busted token maker and i think there's a there's a common combat trick that's two and a green convoke plus three plus three always all the time and could be free if you needed it to be i just think that's an infinitely better card than this i, I don't think mind of the masses is very good well so i want to talk about that like could be free a lot of the time though i guess this, that in that scenario like it could be free in terms of on tapping blocks. three creatures on blocks yes. right the time i'm thinking about mind of the masses being really strong is like when you alpha strike um but i guess in that scenario you probably have three mana available for Pax Favor, which is the plus three plus three Convoke spell. Yeah, maybe I was living in Magical Christmas Land a little bit. I can walk down Might of the Masses. I still think it's super strong and like... It's high end is very high, but it's low end is super low. I would just much prefer a combat trick that gives plus three plus three always all the time. It's low end is plus one plus one for one. And the fact that like, it, you know, if you, you cast it and then you think you're giving plus three plus three and then they go bounce your cre- bounce another creature or something and like... They can like blow you out with it. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'll, I'll walk it down to C minus. All right, moving on to the guild card. So we wanted to look at the cards of a single color and then cards of a guild as well. So we're going to look at disinformation campaign. This is one blue black for an enchantment. When disinformation campaign enters the battlefield, you draw a card and each opponent discards a card. And whenever you surveil, return disinformation campaign to its owner's hand. So I gave this a build around B minus and you gave this a C, which feel like similar grades. Like we're, we sort of swapped where we were, where we were at for a, what's it called? Whispering snitch in terms of like a surveil build around. Yeah. So what I, I love this card, like, don't get me wrong. I was trying to make myself be conservative about the grade here because I think you're going to do this maybe on turn three, maybe not. Like you might have to do other things on turn three if mentor is good, but this gets considerably worse later in the game. And there's like, diminishing returns on the number of times you do it like eventually your opponent's going to start holding lands and and or have played out their whole hand and then it's just going to be you drawing a card for three mana and i mean it's fine but i don't think it's busted i think it's a little clunky to really truly be any better than a c yeah that's fair i could probably see that It, it is very clunky and you probably have to like side it out or maybe you can't start it depending on the speed of the format like maybe you can't afford to just like take a turn off doing nothing but like you know it replaces it i don't even feel like you need to build around it because like just casting it once is fine it's fine so yeah c sounds good maybe even i'll go c plus i still really like this card i think it's strong it's certainly powerful but i think it's got diminishing returns so like the first time i do this i'll feel good the second time i'll do i do it i'll feel good and then past that you're just drawing a card but that's good i mean if you are doing it three times you don't care that your opponent's not discarding cards anymore but i would say that if you're doing this three times in a Demir deck, you've probably already won the <laughs> that's game. That's true. Would be my guess. Like, I just think there's so much better things to do with your mana in Demir. Yeah, that's fair. I, I agree with that. Okay, moving on to Is It. We've got the Guild Mage in contention here. This is League Guild Mage, blue red for the 2 2. It's got three and a blue tap draw card, X red tap, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control with convert a mana cost X, and you may choose new targets for the copy. You gave this a B plus. I gave us a C plus. That's a pretty stark difference. I was not impressed with this one when I saw it. I mean, I think three and a blue draw card is very strong. That's a good mana sink. Yeah, it's a good place to put your mana. A very good place to put your mana. I, yeah, I think just like a two mana two two that can repeatably draw me cards seems very good to me. Yeah, I'll go up to B minus. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this is just like a, a, a pull and is it for me. 
I mean, maybe I could go down to B. Maybe it's not a B plus territory card, but it's real strong. Yeah, it just seemed clunky to me. The abilities seemed like very expensive. And I think I was probably comparing it like rather than looking at it as a card in its own right. I was thinking this is worse than some of the other guild mages. Yes, it is. The guild mages are really hard for me because so many of their like the two abilities don't seem to work in tandem together a lot of the time. And they also don't often seem to like have anything to do with the guild's mechanic. But that just doesn't take away the fact that three and a blue draw card is is really strong. I agree. Next up, if we move on to Boros, we've got Garrison Sergeant. This is three red white for a three three and has double strike as long as you control a gate. You gave this D plus. I give this a synergy C plus. This card's a little weird because like if you've got a lot of gates in your deck, you're prop like Boros doesn't really care about this card and like the multicolored gate deck doesn't really probably want this card that much. So it's missing a bit of a home, but I do think it's powerful if you've got like four to five gates in your deck. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was at first I was like, oh, like this is secretly a five color gate deck card. But then I was like, but in the five color gate deck, don't you have better things to do at five mana? Yes, probably. So like, I just don't (laughs) think this. Yeah, I just don't know when I'm going to play this card. I agree. I ran into the same thing evaluating. it. I think there might be a like big Boros deck. And I'm hoping that that's true. I'm like, maybe there are like different kinds of decks you can build within a guild. And if there is like a big Boros deck that does want gates and does want to like maybe like be base red white for removal or something and then like splash around so it is inclined to run gates, like maybe this is a five drop you want. But I feel like that's stretching a little bit. But it's a powerful card. Like three, three double strike is nothing to sneeze at for five minutes, especially with how three, three is going to match up in this format. This is going to be really tough to block. Yeah, and and tough to attack into. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be a good blocker as well. Yeah. I think the power level is there. We just need to find the home for it. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. It's like, I don't see the deck for it right now, but maybe it exists. Uh, Moving on to Selesnia. We have one card we want to talk about here in Join Shields. This is three green-white for an instant. This is an uncommon. Untap all creatures you control. They gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Can I interest you in a more expensive make-a-stand? (laughs) <laughs> in a for in a format where go wide does not exist this kind of card is my kryptonite i can't help i don't it. understand what i you know see you this. gave us you gave us a d you gave us a d minus i gave us a c minus i see myself having a board of four creatures and my opponent attacking their board of four creatures into my four creatures and me casting this card and crushing them that is um, and, and then like santa claus shows up and asks if you've if you've been a good boy and yeah, this isn't it's not a good card. I know it's not a good card and my grades a little too high. I do have a tendency to overrate this kind of card. I'll go down to D. It's not a good this card. Great. Yeah, this is not a good card. This is way too expensive for a combat trick. Yeah, it is flexible. I mean, you can blank a removal spell, but it's so expensive. So expensive. I, I just don't foresee ever playing this card. Moving on to Golgari. We've got a couple cards to talk about here. The first one is Erstwhile Trooper. One green black for a 2-2 zombie soldier creature. Has the ability discard a creature card. Erstwhile trooper gets plus two plus two and gains trample until end of turn. Activate this ability only once each turn. You give us a C. I give us a B minus. I think this card's super strong. Threat of activation is going to be very real. Except now that I'm thinking about this and talking through it, Golgari is not super interested in attacking necessarily. So that's a bit at odds. But I just think if you look at this card as it's a card in its own right, it's a very powerful card, powerful ability. And Golgari does want to get creatures in the graveyard for undergrowth. So that's why I gave it a B minus. C plus is probably a more accurate grade. Yeah, I mean, I think it's strong, but there's like the threat of activation thing is only really good on attacks, I think, because like, let's say you play this on turn three and then your opponent attacks their 2-2 into it. You can't you can't like block and activate. Right. It's not great for you. Yeah. So like, I just 
think the threat of activation thing is a little more narrow, but it is big. Like if there is a Golgari deck that wants to be attacking, this card is going to be really obnoxious to deal with. Yeah, I'm going to go C plus. All right. C plus sounds good. Next Golgari card is Undercity Uprising. This is a, a similar effect. This is two black green for a sorcery. Creatures you control gain death touch until end of turn. Then target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. I gave this a D. You gave this a C plus. Yeah, that's a stark difference. And I, I am going to argue pretty passionately for this one. I was preparing while I was doing the grade. <laughs> okay, so let me let me start off my argument. I'm going to set you up here. What grade did you give? What grade did you give Prey Upon? A C. Okay, and I gave Prey Upon also a C. I think this is slightly better than Prey Upon. It's it's a lot more expensive, but I think Golgari wants to play cards like the one one rat that makes your opponent discard a card, and the two and a green cat, the one two draw a card. So you're going to have those some number of those types of cards in your deck, and then the, what you're trying to do with this card is play it, trade one of those off for your opponent's good creature, and then it's also going to enable attacks for your whole team which are then going to either force your opponent to take a lot of damage or make a lot of creatures trade in combat, which is going to make your undergrowth stuff better. I just think this card does a lot of what the Golgari deck's trying to do, and I think it, I think it's going to have a home there. That all makes sense to me. I do think it suffers a little bit from like what you were arguing against like in Might of Masses. You're describing a scenario, I agree that that's what the deck wants to do, but you're describing a scenario where like you've you've like ticked all the boxes. What if you haven't ticked all the boxes and you draw this card? Right. So in in that scenario, it's a slightly more expensive prey upon that is guaranteed to kill something if you've got a creature on the battlefield. So I don't think if you if you think prey upon's a C, I don't think you can call this card a D. So I think it either has to be a C or a C plus. Even though this is four mana, I guess this is just going to always kill the thing no matter what. This is four mana. I mean, you might you you might two for one yourself. It's bone splinters at worst. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'll go see. And then I think there is room for upside there mm-hmm. if the game, if your deck is doing what it wants as a Golgari deck. Yeah. I mean, I will feel like I've done it if I go like, if I am able to turn Generous Stray into a removal spell and it's replaced itself. Yeah. Okay. You, I, I like your argument. I appreciate you having thought that out. You convinced me. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. That's going to bring us to the rankings of our top commons here, Ben, and our top uncommons. So starting off with our white commons at number three, I had Parhelion Patrol. This is three and a white for a two, three with flying vigilance and mentor. Yeah, that was actually my number two common. I think that's going to be super strong. I think the fact that it has evasion is going to be really huge. So the flying, I think, is going to be good to mentor onto one power creatures. And then I think it's also going to be a good thing to mentor on two. If you mentor onto this once and you turn it into a three, four flying vigilance, that is huge in this format so i've got that at number two my number three was actually blade instructor that was two and a white for the three one with mentor Mm, yeah i wonder that seems like a solid role player but also seems like it's gonna trade off a lot of the time so i'm not sure how strong that that'll end up being but three power for three mana of a mentor creature does seem big to me I've got Intrusive Pack Beast at number two. That's the card we disagreed about quite a bit. The uh, four and a white Vigilance that taps two creatures when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on, and I'll have to be very willing to change my evaluation of that card. Uh, At number one, I assume we agree here. I have Luminous Bonds, two and a white uh, for Enchanted Creature Can't Attack or Block. I have that at number one as well. 
Moving on to the white uncommons, I think we're lined up here. They finally got the rarity right on Pegasus Courser. At number two, I've got Rock Charger. This is uh, two and a white for a 1-3 flyer. And when it attacks, you give target attacking creature without flying, flying until end of turn. Yeah, that card's going to be busted with mentor cards. It's going to be very, very, very strong. I have that as my number two as well. And number one, I've got Conclave Tribunal, three and a white for the enchantment with Convoke. When it ETBs, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Yep, I have that at number one as well. Moving on to Blue's Commons. At number three, I've got Unexplained Disappearance, showing my love for bounce spells. This is one and a blue for an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Surveil one. I am shocked that you abandoned your boy. I was sure that this was going to be your number three blue common. Uh, I've got Demir Informant, two and a blue for the one four when ETBs Surveil two. Yeah, that I could definitely see Surveiller of Means being number three. I think that card is going to be very strong. At number two, I've got Capture Sphere, three and a blue for the Flash Enchantment Enchant Creature when ETBs tap Enchanted Creature and the creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Blue doesn't get cards like this a lot. No, it's really powerful. I think also the fact that it's instant speed is nice, too. Um, Watcher in the Mist is my number two. I have Capture Sphere at number one. I think we're, we're switched here. So Watcher in the Mist is the more difficult to cast Cloud Reader Sphinx, three blue blue for the three four flyer, and when it ETBs, you surveil two. Yeah, but I think this is even better in this format than Cloud Reader Sphinx was in Dominaria, yes. because I think this power and toughness is gigantic in this format, and I think surveil is really strong. So I've got that at number one. Yeah, I'm a little loath to to do what I did in M19, which was like underrate removal. And this capture sphere seems like just unconditional removal, basically. Like the fact it even turns off guild mages, which luminous bonds doesn't do. Right, right. Yeah, I'm excited about capture sphere as, as a top common here. Uh, what do you got for the number two blue uncommon? City Watch Sphinx, which is five and a blue for a five, four flyer. And when it dies, you surveil two. How much better is that than Watcher in the Mist, do you think? Uh, I think it's not much better, if any, but I think it's really good. Yeah. Still, I think both of those cards are great. I gave a nod here to a cheap card in Night Veil Sprite, which is one and a blue for a one two flyer that when it attacks, you get to surveil one. So kind of like a looter-esque card. I just think that's going to be one of the better two drops in the format. I agree. That card's super strong and I could certainly see it being number two ahead of City Watch Sphinx. I was debating between those two cards and I ended up landing on City Watch Sphinx. You got a little hot take here for your number one blue uncommon, I think. I don't think this is a hot take. I just think it's great. And I would also say a City Watch Sphinx, I think, is splashable. That was what finally put it over the edge for me. I think this is going to be a, I think this is going to be a great finisher in five color control decks. So at number one, I've got Guild Summit and I don't think this is a hot take at all. I think this card just busted. So two and a blue for an enchantment. When Guild Summit enters the battlefield, you may tap any number of untapped gates you control. Draw a card for each gate tap this way. And whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. I saw this card and I was like, oh my God, it was love at first sight. <laughs> it does everything I want to do. It's going to let me build a multicolored gate deck. It's going to pay me off if I play it on turn three and then play gates after it. And it's going to pay me off if I draw it on turn 10 and I have five gates in play. Yeah, that is true. I went for a more consistent card draw spell, I think, in Chemister's Insight, which I'm very excited about. This is three and a blue for an instant, draw two cards, and it has jumpstart. Okay, just let's slow down here for a second. Real talk, are you ever pack one, pick one-ing that card draw spell over Guild Summit? Uh, Am I ever pack one, pick one-ing it over Guild Summit? I don't know. I think I might. 
get out of here. I want to see it. I want a screenshot. <laughs> uh, You're taking Guild Summit 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, I guess if you put it in that context, that feel, I guess I hadn't thought about that. It, it Guild Summit doesn't, isn't like a blue card, though. It's like a five color card. It's like a deck and it's busted. Yeah. Or at least I hope it's busted. <laughs> I'm going to be really sad if it's not. I think there will probably be a time in like the lifespan of this format where taking one over the other is going to feel more correct. You know, like I think there's going to be a time where you're just not going to see a gate. Like three people are going to stake their claim as the gate drafter and you'll never see one versus like there will be times where people are just going to want to be doing like mentor decks and you'll see all the gates. So I I don't know. When 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 gates get picked is going to determine a lot. Yeah, we haven't really like talked about that. Like by the end of Hour of Devastation, the deserts, the cycling common deserts were like some of the best commons in each color. And so I think also where like gates fit in terms of like the best commons, like the gates are probably the best commons in their guild. And they may even be like better commons than some of these like single colored cards we're talking about. I don't know if that's true. Like artful takedowns are really good. Anyway, moving on to Black's commons. What do you got at number three? I've got Spinal Centipede, two and a black for the three, two. And when it dies, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. I think that's just rock solid. Yeah, I'm going to go there too. I had Hired Poisoner, the one, one death touch, but you talked me down off of that. So I will go to Spinal Centipede here as well at number three. All right. At number two, I've got Deadweight, single black for the enchantment, enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. I've got Deadly Visit at number two, and this was really hard for me to rank Deadweight versus Deadly Visit in terms of like which I want the first copy of. So Deadly Visit is three black black for a sorcery, destroy target creature, surveil two, which is very, very strong. And I definitely want one and one before I want two uh, of one and none of the other. I just think that Deadweight for me at number one got edged out slightly just because of the creature sizing and how efficient this is and the fact that like it's not even dead like you can put this on a siege worm and that's going to be okay. Like making the siege worm a three, three in, instead of a five, five is still going to be relevant. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said. And it would not shock me if dead weight ends up being the number one common. I just am in love with the surveil deck. <laughs> so I put deadly visit at number one, but I, I think it would not surprise me at all if dead weight was number one. Moving on to the black uncommons at number two, I've got crawl swarm. That's that four and a black four, one flyer that you can rebuy for two and a black and discarding a creature card. Yeah. That card does seem strong to me. It did not make my top uncommons, but I definitely could see that being correct. I had Undercity Necrolisk. I think this card looks pretty sweet. It's three and black for a 3-3 zombie lizard with one sacrifice another creature, put a plus plus one counter on it. It gains menace until end of turn, activates its ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. But I could see the 4-1 flyer being better than this. At number one, I've got Price of Fame, three and a black for the instant, destroy target creature, and it costs two less to cast if it targets a legendary creature, and then you surveil two, that card is a dream. Yeah, that card is busted, I have that at number one as well. Red's Commons, number three was tough for me, one and two not so much, but number three was tough. I put Ornery Goblin down, this is one on red for the two one, and if it becomes blocked, or blocks a creature, it deals one damage to that creature. So I changed mine. So right now I've got Wojek Bodyguard, which is two and a red for the three, three with Mentor and can't attack or block alone. Mm -hmm. I just think that's probably going to be a staple of the Mentor deck. And I think there's three red two drop commons. So there's Ornery Goblin uh, that you just described. There's Fire Urchin, one and a red for the one, three trample. Mm -hmm. And when you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn. And there's also Goblin Locksmith, one and a red for the two, one. And when it attacks creatures with Defender, can't block this turn. And I think of those three two ones, the one three trampler 
is the best. Yeah, I think. think you're probably right. I think when I was thinking, I think you're probably right. I can I can change to that. I think that card is really going to be good in the Mentor deck, a 1-3 Trampler. So I initially had the 1-3 Trampler as my number three red two drop, and then I thought about it more, and I decided I was going to go on the Mentor thing, and I changed it to Wojek Bodyguard. I think Wojek Bodyguard makes me too nervous. If uh, your opponent's like able to disrupt your two-creature board so that you can't attack or block because you have this 3-3 in play, you're just, you lose the game. Yeah, except, I, I agree, but if that happens, you're probably not winning anyway with your mentor deck, would be my guess. And I think the three toughness, three power is big in the format. Like we saw the average was 2-2 by a lot, or 2-3. So I think this is going to have profitable attacks, and it turning your two drop into a 3-3 also. Like if you go two mana 2-2 two, two on the play, three mana 3-3, three, three, attack on turn four with two three threes, maybe you have a combat trick. That sounds like a very easy way to snowball the game to me. I agree, but like how much different is that? I don't think that's that much different than playing the three one with mentor and white that if your opponent deals with your two drop, you still can block or attack with your three one. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm wary of that three three, but I will switch to uh, to the one three trample as my third best red common. OK, and then I assume we're in line here. A uh, number two, I have direct current. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one red red deal two damage to any target. And it's got jump start. And we both have command the storm. At number one, this is four in a red for the instant deal five damage to target creature. I think that people may underrate this card at the start. And this is a lot closer to five mana kill any creature in this format. And it's instant speed, whereas deadly visit in black, which I think people are going to rate appropriately, is sorcery speed. Yep, I agree. Moving on to the uncommons at number two, I've got inescapable blaze for red red for the instant can't be countered and deals six damage to any target. Yeah, when I first read this, I thought this was... uh, to target creature and then i reread it as any target and i thought it was way better <laughs> yeah welcome back fight with fire this card's gonna feel bad uh and number one i have lava coil i assume you do too one in a red for the sorcery deal four damage to target creature if it would die this turn exile it instead yep super efficient and poop soup green commons what did you have at number three i eventually i thought so long and so hard about this one i was trying to decide ultimately between crawl forgers that's the four and a green four four with undergrowth that gains you life when it comes into play um versus urban utopia that's one and a green for the enchantment that when it etbs you draw a card and gives a land tap add one man of any color and i ultimately decided that urban utopia was a more unique effect and i really hope that the five color green deck's going to be a thing and i think urban utopia will be a high pick if that's the case And so I settled on Urban Utopia, but I'm very willing to change that once I play with all these green commons that all seem super mediocre to me. The fact that green commons seem mediocre to me makes me think that it doesn't need to be five color green, especially with the way things are set up with the, the gates and the like rupture spire gate variant at common. Like you don't need green to go multicolor in this set, I don't think. So I'm not I'm not sold on Urban Utopia being that strong of a role player. I, I have. Prey upon a number three, the green fight spell. Um, but I, like you felt about Pounce and Ixalan, I kind of want to get that out of my top three. I almost just put the four mana, four, three vanilla creature, the like wild Saratok as my third best green common. Maybe we can do that. Maybe, maybe, oh, man, I kind of want to do that now because that's big, right? Based on the power and toughness. I wasn't quite as clued in on the power and toughness when I was doing my common rankings. I think what green is doing is just like beef. And I feel like wild Saratok and Siege Worm and Crawl Foragers are like real strong. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Get, let's get Urban Utopia out of here. And I'm going to change my number three to the Crown Saratok. Is that what it, it's it's crowned? I thought it was wild. It was running wild. Yep, you're right. And number two, I'm really sad about this. I have Prey Upon. I just couldn't find anything better. You don't like Thrag Tusk? I, I do. I don't know that it's better 
<laughs> pray upon. I think I think pray upon is real poop. <laughs> I am prepared for it to be real poopy doopy. Yeah. So I, I have Saratoga number three. I, I put crawl foragers at number two. I think five mana four four looks like it's big. And though I'm like you know in a Selesnya deck going to play hope for the five mana four four vigilance convoke ten out of ten times. But I do think five mana four four like even if it's just like gain one, but like it's nice that it can gain two or three later in the game. I don't know. That's that's kind of exciting to me. Yeah, maybe this is closer to you remember Angel of Enduring Hope, the four and a white yeah. three three flyer gain three. Maybe this is kind of close to that. I hope so. That'd be pretty sweet. And we both got Siege Worm at number one, right? Yes, Siege Worm is number. One. It was the only common that was remotely interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like whatever 15 years old or something <laughs> moving on to green's uncommons what do you have for number two number two i've got arboretum elemental this is seven green green for a seven five hex proof with convoke yeah i i have that in my number one actually i think that card is ridiculous i mean it doesn't look like we have a bunch of evasive granting auras floating around which is one of the reasons that cold water snapper was so good in dominaria but it was also so good as just a four five hex proof for six and this doesn't seem that ridiculous to be a six mana seven five hexproof. So I think this is going to be a total house. Uh, at number two, I have District Guide. This is two and a green for a two two at ETBs, and you can search your library for a basic land or gate card and put it into your hand and then shuffle your library. Yeah, that was my number one. I think that card's a house, and I think it's going to be really, really strong. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to do it. We made it through another crash course here, Ben. Yeah. I think this set looks really sweet. I have a few question marks. I want to see like what two color pairs are viable. Like if you could draft a two color pair that's maybe not a guild. And if that has any sort of payoffs or anything like that. Um, And just the speed of the format and how good Mentor is and how much shenanigans are going to be had. It looks like the format is going to be super deep and very complex to draft. And that is always something that's exciting to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have a lot of question marks and I'm super excited to like dip my toe in with Sealed. Uh, later on in this week and then get to finally dive in to this sweet draft format at the start of next week. Yeah, I I feel a sick day coming on for me next week. (laughs) I was going to say, you don't sound good. You sound a little sick. You might be uh, getting a cough coming on or something. Spent too much time out in the rain yesterday with a marching band. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. If you want to get in touch with me or Ben, you can do so on various platforms. Come check us out streaming. Hopefully Ben will be able to to break out the GRN stream. He's at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. Our 15-hour stream is also a go. The M19 treasure hunt has wrapped up, and we are looking at that for Tuesday, October 16th. If you want to get more Lord Tupperware content, please check out my bi-weekly articles over at Cardsphere. I've got uh, my latest article is about what makes a limited format great, the top eight characteristics of a great limited format, and we'll have more content coming at you soon. Yeah, that article is gasoline. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I think that's your best one yet. Thanks, man. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We have a pretty big surprise coming your way for the podcast next week, so stay tuned for that. We will catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
Jen, we're paused. Just make as much noise as you want. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Hi. You're, you're famous. Just take your just take your time. Don't worry about it. But like, I can sense that each second that passes, you're getting more and more annoyed. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 